Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hi there and welcome to The Inner Life here on this Monday, June 14th. It's Monday in the 11th week of Ordinary Time. And want to especially say thank you to Patrick Conley who filled in last week uh, at the end of the week for a couple of days there. Uh, my wife ended up actually traveling down with a couple of our older kids and her mother and went and visited her grandmother down in Louisville, Kentucky. Her grandmother just turned 100 years old um, as of last week, last Thursday. Uh, so a big happy birthday to her. And, uh, you know, God willing, we'll all get there. I know that's not going to be the case for all of us, but uh, hopefully we have a long, happy, healthy life that allows us to impact those around us for good, for Christ, for the church. And uh, today, as we begin, let me ask you, are you an emotional person? I mean, we all obviously, we have emotions, of course, but do your emotions get the better of you every once in a while, or maybe more often than once in a while? Is there something that makes you emotional, more likely to cry at something sentimental, or maybe lash out in anger when something frustrates you? Now, whenever I think of someone getting really emotional, my mind goes to my wife, Baylen, and her pregnancies, during her different pregnancies, Baylan, and she, she readily admits this, that she can find herself crying over something that normally would never affect her. And if you're a mom and you remember those months of being pregnant, all the hormones that are kind of coursing through your system, you probably know what I'm talking about. And guys, you, you know, if, if your wife's been pregnant, you've probably gone through some of these different moments too. And one story that I remember that Baylan told me, she was pregnant, I think, with our sixth child. And I remember her coming home and telling me about how she had started crying while she was driving the van. She was out running some errands around town, and she had been scanning through different radio stations and landed on one that had current songs that our teenage kids would listen to regularly. And while listening, one of the songs that came up was by the boy band One Direction, and this song is called What Makes You Beautiful. And in this song... The, the singer is singing directly to a girl. And the lyrics say how everyone else can see how this girl is so beautiful, but she doesn't recognize this beauty that she possesses. And the chorus of the song, at one point it says, Right now I'm looking at you, and I can't believe you don't know. You don't know you're beautiful, and that's what makes you beautiful. And Belen told me, she said that she was driving home, and she's listening to this song, and she's pregnant, and she found herself crying and laughing at the same time. And she was crying because she was thinking, as she was listening to the song, that really is what makes her beautiful. That's exactly what makes her beautiful. But then she was laughing at herself because she was crying over a song that's mainly listened to by 11 and 12 and 13-year-old girls. And this is not something that a grown woman should be crying over. And so she knew that her pregnancy... It was hitting her. It was making her have this over-the-top emotional response. 
And she has a number of stories like this where she had that emotional response, being pregnant, uh, that response that was beyond that normal reaction. And I've I've heard this from other people, too, other couples, you know, that one that I remember a co-worker here at Relevant Radio, he told me that he and his wife, while she was pregnant, uh, they were watching something on television. And the show went to a commercial break, and one of the commercials was for Campbell's Soup. And it showed this mom who's making tomato soup and grilled cheese sandwiches, and she takes them out to her kids who are camping in their backyard in a tent. And that was enough. That little idyllic moment of family life, that was enough to make this pregnant wife start crying there as they're watching this commercial. And uh, my, my friend, he said, it was the same response from her, from his wife, as I mentioned from Belen, his wife knew that she shouldn't be crying over something so little, but she couldn't stop herself. Now, as I said, we all have emotions, and this is natural, this is normal, but sometimes, especially when it comes to the faith, we can seek those emotional highs. We want that emotional confirmation of the experience of what we believe. We want an emotional confirmation that everything is true. And our emotions should definitely inform us to a degree, but we shouldn't rely on our, our emotions for how we grow and how we proceed in our faith. We should be able to keep our emotions in their proper place. We should be able to find that healthy balance of understanding how our intellect and our will, how they complement our emotions, and how all of these should work together, allowing us to more fully practice our faith And so today, that's what we want to look at here on The Inner Life, how we can understand our emotions and how they can help us and hopefully not hinder us, not overwhelm us in regards to our faith. Joining us today to talk about this, Father Sean Grismer. He's a priest for the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois, and associate pastor of St. Bridget Catholic Church in Loves Park. Father Grismer, welcome back to The Inner Life. Thanks, Josh. It's really great to be with you today. So today, as we look at emotions, I'm a big fan of uh, wanting to define terms so that we all know what we're talking about. We're all on the same page right from the beginning. So can you help us understand a little better what emotions are, what they aren't, and especially in regards to our faith? Yeah, I think it's always good to start off with what they aren't, no? That they're they're not the defining, they're not defining um identifiers in our lives. That is, they don't define who we are. Sometimes people can say, well, I'm just a, I'm just always a happy person. Or I'm just a really, I'm just a depressed person. I'm just a sad person. When we're talking about emotions, they themselves don't, they don't identify who we are or what necessarily what we're about. The, emotions have been given to us by God as sort of checkpoints uh, in how we're processing reality around us. And so emotions can be, uh, they can help us and they can greatly help us and assist us both in the natural life, but also in the supernatural life, the spiritual life. Um, but having to understand, as you spoke about, having the proper place, where are they within us and what is their role? If everything in this life that God has given us is, has been given to us, as is, is he says in scripture in Genesis, to, to till, right, and to maintain, that means things have a purpose. So what is the purpose of my emotions and how can they assist me in my, in my growth in relationship with to God, but also growth in relationship with in others? So I think that's, that's the, the real question to ask as we sort of kick off our discussion. Well, and, you know, looking at emotions 
one of the things that I think is very easy for us to do, we can look and say, well, you know, it's it's human to have those emotions, to have certain responses. Sometimes we'll give ourselves a pass when we get, you know, heated up, you know, well, it, it was my Irish temper or it was my, you know, uh, my Latino blood that kind of rose in me, you know, different things that people might say and and, and kind of pass it off. But that proper place for emotions, um, it's it's easy for us to look at the life of our Lord, I think, and say, well, you know, here's this holy um, icon of Jesus and his, um, his example to us, you know, second person of the Holy Trinity. It's easy to look at the deity side, the God side of Jesus, the divine side there. And that humanity side, fully human, fully divine, the humanity side can sometimes get lost in the mix, but we have some really key insights that the gospel writers give us when we look at the life of Jesus. One of those, it actually is where we have the very shortest verse in the entire Bible. Um, It's the story of Lazarus, and when Lazarus dies, and those, those two words that Jesus has as an emotional response when he's told this, uh, John eleven thirty five says just simply Jesus wept. Now, coming into this, Jesus already knew what he was going to do. So, there's I'll, I'll let you kind of set up the story here, Father, of what's happening. But we we do see this moment where Jesus has this emotional response and lets us see that you know, okay, <laughs> there's nothing wrong. We don't have to suppress our emotions. Correct. Yeah, and and Josh, I think so many times when we read scripture, we read it as if it was just a dead text, right? St. Paul says the word of God is living and active. So we read it kind of like, you know, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary. And you're like, gosh, it's so boring. Like, who would want to read this? And and we don't get to experience, we, we don't put the emotion into it because we, we're just reading, we're reading this history. Um, but there are certain moments that the gospel writers specifically include the, the, the sort of emotion of Jesus. One of those is where he flips the tables and another is this, being with Lazarus. And the thing that I love most is that it's not just, it's not just Jesus and his emotion, but it's how Jesus interacts with the other people's emotions. Now, so you have the emotions of Martha and Mary. We're going to get to that. But yeah, so the story is, it's my favorite story of Jesus in the, in the scripture. And he's, he gets a word, he gets a messenger that says, hey, your friend Lazarus is sick. And he's, the, the messenger has been sent by Martha and Mary and we know that he spent time with Martha and Mary in the past. That they've had those that, that meal where Martha was cooking and she was frustrated with Mary and she let Jesus have it. Could you tell my sister to get up off her butt and start doing some work? And Jesus, you know, calmly responds to her. So we know that he spent time with them. And I think that's important because it, it allows us to, to put it into a context that this isn't an isolated event. In fact, the messenger said, the one whom you love is ill. So there's, there's already this connection of, of emotion, of, of, of one whom you love. And Jesus stays where he's at, and he says, this sickness will not end in death. In fact, it's for the glory of God. And, and uh, talking about emotions, um, if you put yourself in that place, you can sort of think, okay, well, then he's going he's gonna to survive. But he waits long enough for Lazarus to die. And then when he shows up, it says that four days had, been, had passed since Lazarus' death. 
that's significant because the Jews believed that after three days, the soul had no chance, no chance of coming back. And so there's this finality that Jesus allows the Jewish people to feel. Consider, if you put yourself in the place of anybody, even of, the, of your own history of, of having lost somebody that you love, or you know somebody who's lost somebody, how does that make you feel? It makes you feel really sad, horrible, angry, all the emotions. But Jesus allows them to experience that. He permits it. In fact, he intends it. And then when he shows up, what happens is Martha goes out to meet him and she, she lets him have it. She's like, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And then Mary comes out. Jesus, if you had been here, it's like they rehearsed it. My brother wouldn't have died. And you can hear the emotion in that. You can hear the anger in that. And what I love about the story is that it gives us permission to bring our emotions. This is when we're talking about properly ordered, bringing our, bringing our emotions to Jesus, no matter the emotion, especially anger. I would love to talk about that perhaps later, but, but anger is, I think, one where everybody's like, don't be angry. Stop being angry. Don't be angry. If, you have to, if you're a Christian, you got to be nice. But, but Martha comes and she's raw with Jesus. And she's like, Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And that, I think it sets it up. It sets it up for Jesus to respond. How is he going to respond? Is he going to say, don't you know who I am? You know, I'm Jesus. I can raise the dead. You know, no, no. He lets them be angry. He doesn't reprimand them for being angry. He says very calmly, do you, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And he says this other thing. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And Martha, and he says, do you not believe that your brother will rise? And she kind of gives the Christian answer. Yeah, of course he's going to rise in heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to get there. And he says, no, no, no. I am the resurrection and the life. It's not just this, I'm going to anticipate heaven in the future, but I'm giving you heaven right now. And so he speaks into her emotion where she's at, because that, that rawness where Mar- Martha and Mary come at, at Jesus, that rawness is exactly what he loves for his children to do, is to be honest with him. And so that there's something to be gained from the story about Jesus's emotional conversation with Martha and Mary, allowing them to speak that freely, and how he responds. Now, when do you... It, it kind of struck me here as I was listening to you, you know, just I, I don't think I've ever really considered other than superficially... Martha and Mary and their response, I'm more keyed in on what's happening with Jesus. And so when Jesus is crying, he's already had where Martha and Mary are crying there too. Do you think part of that is just his sorrow over seeing his friend so distraught, not just the the loss of Lazarus there and having that human emotional response? Is it just kind of everything there that Jesus, like you say, he wants us to be honest and bring those those hurts, those pains, those anger, you know, whatever we're dealing with. He wants us to bring them to him. So Jesus is there crying alongside with Mary and with Martha, letting them know that when you hurt, I hurt for you. Mm. Yeah, there's there's definite truth to that, Josh. I think it's also twice in that same scripture, it says Jesus, depending on the translation, it says Jesus was perturbed, or Jesus was moved, deep, deeply moved in spirit. Another translation says Jesus was angry. Um, and, and so I think, and then it says Jesus wept, right? Short verse in the scripture, as you said, Jesus wept. 
So you think about a very, it's very possible that he did experience this. I think very realistic that he experienced this frustration when he looked around and saw the lack of faith. And he's like, but don't you know, like, I'm not just a healer. So many people think he's just a healer, but he's a resurrector. And, and I think he was helping them ex- explore that possibility in him. But there's still, even, even when you know, I think this is, this is important in our humanity. Even when I am facing a fear that I have, I experience a sense of fear, a sense of sadness because I'm stepping out of my comfort zone and I'm getting out of that boat and I'm stepping into something unknown. I feel all the emotions, even though I know it's going to be okay. Right? Like I remember when I was first public speaking, I was having to do it in my high school class. And I was like, look, it's only, it's only seven minutes, right? Like I can do that, (laughs) but, but I, and I know it's going to be okay. I know that my life isn't going to literally end when I have to publicly speak, but I have all these emotions even though I know it's going to be okay. And I think that's where we can look at Jesus in the moment where he's weeping. It's like he, he knows what he's about to do. He knows that it's going to be okay. He knows Lazarus is going to rise from the dead because <laughs> he is the word of God. And yet he still feels all the emotions that we would feel at the loss of somebody and at the frustration that other people don't quite see it the way he sees it. Um, not the frustration. I, I say frustration like, but don't you see that I'm here and like, it's going to be okay if I'm here, if I'm in the mess with you, it's going to be okay. So I think, I think you're right. And I think it it lends us a a lot of grace of exploring that, that humanity of Jesus in that. Well, and that, that response of Jesus, I'm here, everything's going to be okay. Even if he hadn't raised Lazarus from the dead, that wouldn't have changed the fact Mm -hmm. that that was still you know, what he was, what he was communicating. I'm here. Everything will be okay. And sometimes for us, Father, I think we can have those moments where we say, yeah, it'd be better if Jesus, if, you know, God the Father, if the Holy Spirit, if uh, the God we serve fixed this problem, made this go away, whatever it is. Um, But there are many times where God says no, for whatever reason, there's that, that, nope, you, you need to go through this. But I'm still here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's how that story starts off. You know, it's, it's very almost passive aggressive, Martha and Mary. How many of us have been ever passive aggressive in our lives, especially if you live in the Midwest? Uh, like we, we don't say what we mean, but we, we mean what we don't say. <laughs> so I'm like, Hey, uh, Jesus, the one who you love is sick. Dot, dot, dot in parentheses, come and heal him. We know you can, you've healed so many people. Come and do it for your friend. And he lets them die. And that, that big, that begins to ask us a question, no? That what happens when Jesus doesn't show up when we expect him to? What do I do with my emotions then? What do I do with my thoughts, my intellect? What do I do with all of that when Jesus doesn't show up like I think he should? Like I, I think he should, not as he knows is best, but as I, mighty me, think he should. Well, he shows up because you asked him. What does Jesus say? If you ask, you shall receive. If you seek, you shall find. If you knock, the door will be open. They ask for him to come. He comes, not when they expect it. And then they get something that they didn't expect, which is resurrection. So sometimes, Josh, as you said, God says no. And we think, well, my goodness, you're just not a good God. You, you're a liar. You're doing whatever you want to accuse God of all these things, rather than saying, you know, God, why? I'm curious. Not, not why, 
but why? Like, I'm curious about why you didn't show up then. And he says, it's for the glory of God. So I didn't get a healing that I expected. But you can bet your bottom dollar that you're going to get a resurrection. Because wherever Jesus walks into the room, he raises things to life. It's just who he is. It's out of his being. So, I th- yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and Jesus waiting um, is not just like, I think what I'm trying to get at is, is it's not just a meaningless purposelessness. Sometimes I think we get that in Christianity. Well, God has his mysterious ways, but in Scripture, he reveals himself. So even to Martha and Mary, he reveals why he waited mm. so that he could have a resurrection. Our spiritual, even if they didn't get a resurrection, he, he is still there. Yeah. Our spiritual director, Father Sean Grismer, and he is a priest in the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois. And we're looking at how we can understand the role of our emotions and keeping that good balance of not letting them get the best of us, not getting overwhelmed by emotions, but also knowing how they inform us in our faith. And when have you been dealing with maybe that emotional low point in your life? But you were able to persevere in your faith. How did you look at Jesus, just like Mary and Martha, and hear those words, I am the resurrection, and still have that faith, that trust, that you were going to be able to make it through this? Maybe you're going through that tough time right now, and you're not sure how to process the feelings, the emotions that you're going through. Our studio line right now is 888-914-9149. The phone lines are open, 888 888- 914-9149 and our email address innerlifeatrelevantradio.com we'll continue the conversation we'll also look at uh, what Father Grismer mentioned about anger we'll look at that concept of is it okay to be angry is it okay to have those emotions of anger it's one of the seven deadly sins how do we understand that that's coming up next here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life spiritual directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond, and our spiritual director today, Father Sean Grismer, a priest in the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois, talking about emotions, uh, understanding how our feelings inform our faith but don't kind of take over, don't rule the roost when it comes to our faith and how we practice our faith. In our studio line today, 888-914-9149, you can give us a call. How have you been able to understand that balance of where emotions belong? When have you been going through something that it was hard for you to deal with those emotions? Maybe it was something where you just didn't feel like you were uh, experiencing your faith the way you had in the past. A lot of people go through that dryness. How did you persevere in your faith? And how did coming through that time help you to grow closer to Christ? Maybe you're going through that right now. Our studio line again, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And Father Grismer, right before the break, I mentioned anger. We, uh, one of, one of the, the scenes that we have in the Gospels is where we head into the Passion Week. 
We've just had Palm Sunday, and then coming into the early part of that week, there's Jesus who goes into the temple and he sees the the money changers, the people who are there selling things in the temple, and he drives them out. I, I think it actually says he makes a, a whip, of, uh, gets some cords, braids them together and makes a whip and starts chasing people out. And a lot of times I've heard this referred to as Jesus having a righteous anger when he drives these people out, uh, these people out of the temple. But it's kind of this unique glimpse into the emotions of Jesus. You know, we talked about the sorrow, the uh, upsetness that we saw there with Lazarus. Here we see anger. And what do you think we can take away from this? Because as I mentioned, you know, wrath, anger, it's one of the seven deadly sins. So what's happening here with Jesus? How can we understand how we can have that anger, but not allow it to go into the realm of being sinful? Yeah, that's a powerful question, and it's a powerful scripture that Jesus literally, he, I think it's John's gospel, he says he makes a whip out of cords, as you said, and I don't know how long it takes to make a whip out of cords. I've never made one, but I'm, I imagine it's not like, hey, I'm just going to do it real quick, right? But like, you can imagine him sitting there looking around and allowing that, that the thoughts, and how do we, how do we balance that, knowing that there's something called righteous anger and something that's that's the sin of anger, the sin of wrath. Um, and, and I think it, we have to look at what what fuels it, right? Because anger is always, it's a secondary emotion, meaning if you consider a volcano, a volcano explodes from the top, yeah? Well, what makes it explode? All of the pressure underneath, all of the pressure. And so the pressure isn't so much that, the, the explosion of the, of the volcano isn't so much, oh, this is, this is okay because this is just who I am. It's like, what's building that pressure? Is it a righteous anger? That is, am I being um, offended, uh, which is what Jesus says. He says that you've made the Father's house of den of thieves. Well, his righteous anger, has been, it, was, it was focused upon the Father, right? And there was an offense against God that was being done. So an offense against God stirred up in him the emotion of anger. Remember that we don't control our emotions, right? Our emotions, they just are. They, they're guideposts to how we perceive reality. So he's looking at this moment of all the traitors and the, they're, they're abusing the outer court of the temple and this righteous anger that is the anger that's like, you are abusing the place that is meant to be for God alone is sort of brewing up in him. When this is opposed to or contradictory to when somebody is um, them driving down the road and somebody cuts me off and I just start swearing or I start cursing or I honk my horn or I let them know that I have five fingers but they only get to see one of them. Like, like it's different, you know, because that's there's an offense against me, which is which is significant, not to be taken lightly. But I think the, the deeper question is, what did I feel in that moment? Well, I actually felt as if they didn't care about my safety. No, that's, what I, that's why I get angry, because it's a gut reaction. But there's a righteous anger that's like, okay, I, I got angry, which is okay, because that's an emotion. And what did I do with that? Well, it took a few deep breaths, and I was like, well, maybe they just didn't see me. And I, and I begin to let it go. Or I take it and I 
and I honk back or I drive in front of them and cut them off and hit the brakes, like, what is my anger lead to? And that, Jesus says, you, you know, a tree by its fruits. So an emotion itself grows in me. I have anger. doesn't mean I've committed sin just because I have anger. But what do I do with that? The other option is I turn it into resentment, which turns into a bitterness, which turns into a hardness of heart, and I close myself off from the world. And I start to live out of that place of resentment. And that way, I, that, then I, I forbid myself from go, growing closer to God because of how much I've been hurt by others in this life. Well, and as you're talking about that resentment, it makes me think that what we do with our anger, if we are... If we're taking that anger and I'm saying I'm hurt, so I'm going to do this because I want things better for me, if we make it all about ourselves, that's going to be problematic. But if we're kind of following the, you know, Jesus is asked by the, uh, the, the young scribe or the, the rich young ruler, I forget who it is, but somebody asks him and says, what are, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the second commandment, to love your neighbor as yourself. If you are still exercising those two, if what you do out of that emotional response with your anger would be to still want the best for your relationship in loving God and wanting the best for your neighbor, if that's the response, I would think, well, that's probably where that righteous anger comes in. If we keep others as the priority, not worrying about how we are necessarily impacted by that. Yeah, I love that. Um, I love that distinction and ability to to put others forward. And that takes practice. It also takes time. You know, if we're habituated ourselves to being angry and for whatever circumstances in life had led us to do that, it takes time to to move away from that. Um you know, but, but the grace of God can allow me to slowly make that progress toward surrendering my anger um, towards, towards love of my neighbor, love of God. Yeah, I love that scripture to be able to, to, to tie that in. Our spiritual director, Father Sean Grismer, and we're talking about understanding the role of our emotions in regards to our faith. The studio line is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And, Father, we've got Jessica, who's listening in Chicago, with a question for you. Hi, Jessica. You're on the air with Father Grismer. Hi, Father. Thank you for taking my call. So my question is, how do I distinguish um, between um, anger that is just, you know, as a mom of five, um, that... How do I distinguish anger for just, you know, a daily thing that it's just, you know, frustration with the kids and things like that, and and the sin of anger? Yeah, that's a great question, Jessica. Thanks for, uh, thanks for reaching out for that. Um, when we, we have to check ourselves. Now, we have to have some sort of checklist within our mind that says, why am in, in um, AA, they talk about halt, right? Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Um, so why do I want to do the thing that I want to do? When I'm responding to my children out of anger, is it because I'm tired because I got three hours of sleep last night and I haven't eaten breakfast and they're throwing paint across the room? Like, is that the reason I'm angry? And it's like, well, they're children. They don't have necessarily a great rationale if they're below the age of seven. So so I can have some grace with myself. I can have some compassion on myself and be like, oh, I'm really tired right now. 
So I, I check myself because that, that can help me step back and be like, I can, I'm about to respond out of anger. And why am I going to do that? I think the other thing is if I'm, if I'm letting something brood in me and I'm becoming, allowing that to, to be an offense against me, oftentimes children don't intend to offend their parents, um, but we sometimes can take it as an offense um, as if like them not wanting to eat their broccoli is the reflection of my parenthood. And it's like, well, that's not, that's not necessarily true. And, but sometimes you can take that and, and I get angry. So I have to check myself again and say, why am I getting angry? Um, and so the, I think the sinfulness would come about if I choose not to check myself and I choose to react. And if I choose to intentionally um, give them some sort of backlash, if you would. So if I intentionally try to, uh, be like, no, you know, and, but I don't know the examples, but you, you, you know, if I'm choosing to intentionally correct them, but in a way that would be not beneficial for their growth rather than, right. um, right. yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think, is that, is that helpful? Yes. Yes. It's the um, intentionally like trying to take my anger out on them. That's a sin. Um, but yeah, and exactly. I, yeah. And finding other ways to take that anger out. And Jessica, just out of curiosity, what are the ages of your children? Just, you know, the age range that you have with your five kids. Oh, um, it's tough because um, they're 12, 8, um, and, and on down. So, three, yeah, okay. Two and six months. So, <laughs> well, congratulations on a young family. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, just speaking as a father of nine children, um, it, you do find yourself repeating yourself again and again and again and again and again, saying the same things yeah. over to your kids. And so uh, there can be that frustration of how many times have I told you this? And, yeah. you know, your kids, they, they really they want to do usually what is right. They just don't think about it in the moment. And so I, I think you'll find as you get older and as your kids grow up, uh, I always feel bad for our oldest daughters, our two oldest ones, because they got the brunt mm-hmm. of everything uh, with my wife and I. You know, we were young, we were energetic, but we also expected so much. And my wife and I, we've yeah. kind of mellowed over the years as we've gotten older there, too. So I think time will help with that, too, Jessica. So I want to thank you for calling okay. in and being a part of the show today. And, uh, and yeah, uh, you know, another thing I would say to Jessica, and I'm sure Father Grismer will uh, say a, a big hearty amen on this. If you find yourself where you're getting into that mode where oh, I get frustrated so easily and I want to be more patient, I want to be more calm with my children— Try and pray a daily rosary. If that's not already part of your life there, um, that really, really will help. And it, it'll it be a gradual thing, most likely. It's not going to be like you start praying a rosary and next week, all of a sudden, you have more patience than Mother Teresa or you know any other saint. It's going to be a slow, gradual kind of development. At least that's my experience is to, you know, it's not going to be an overnight change there, but praying that daily rosary, taking that time and making that part of your daily prayer life, it really, really makes an impact. Um, I'm sure you've seen that in in the lives of other people that you know that have that daily rosary time, Father. Yeah, absolutely. And I know for so many people, they didn't even start out praying a daily rosary. They started praying a decade a day. And then that helps increase in them. What does Jesus say? Put first the kingdom of God and everything is given unto you. So if we make that prayer, that intentional prayer to our Blessed Mother and to our Lord Jesus, 
then all things will be start to happen that we couldn't even imagine or hope for. It just begins to happen because of the peace that they give to us. Father Sean Grismer is our spiritual director. As we're talking about emotions, understanding our emotions, how they uh, play that role in our faith, and not allowing them to get the best of us, but also knowing that they are a part of us. It's what makes us fully human. How have you been able to find that balance with your emotions, not letting them rule you, but at the same time, letting them help you experience your faith in the the best and fullest way that you possibly can. You can call in and share your experience, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Mario is up next with a question here, and we'll take more of your phone calls here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Inner Life Show or email us innerlife at relevantradio.com. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back. I'm Josh Raymond along with Father Sean Grismer, a priest in the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois, the associate pastor of St. Bridget Catholic Church in Loves Park, Illinois, and talking about our emotions and having a good understanding of how our emotions should inform our faith. And, uh, Father, one of the things I wanted to get to is there is a portion of the Catechism of the Catholic Church and where it talks about emotions, but it also uses another term interchangeably for emotions, and that's passions. And in paragraph 1767 of the Catechism, it says, In themselves, passions— or emotions, are neither good nor evil. It belongs to the perfection of the moral or human good that all the passions can be governed by reason. Um, And so I thought it might be good to just break this down a little bit. First of all, um, I find it interesting that even as we're looking at this, the Catechism acknowledges that passions or emotions are neither good nor evil. It's really what we do with them. Yeah, that's that's uh, for sure, Josh. It's right that the emotions they're just given to us by God. Like we, God has given us these gifts. We can call them gifts um, to allow us, as I said before, sort of guideposts of re- receiving and relaying reality. Well, they they themselves don't have any good or evil quality, um, but they they have to be governed by something, and that would be what we're talking about—the intellect or we would say our mind, the things within us that allow us to think. So what do you think are some just really good practical ways, you know, that that it talks about in that section of the catechism the, it, that our passions belong to the perfection of moral good or human good and that the passions should be governed by reason, what you said, the intellect. What are some really just practical ways that we can say, okay, well, I can let my my intellect, the discipline of my will, make sure that my uh, my emotions are in check. And again, not to suppress our emotions or our passions, but to be able to have them in that right place. Yeah, I think the what St. Paul says is he says you must take every thought captive. Now, we might think, that sounds like so much. How could I take every thought captive? That's so many thoughts in a single day. And that's true. But we've already learned to take thoughts captive. And, and when we do so, we, we can sort of 
if you want to say, we compartmentalize them in our minds. Um, and so when, when we were children, what did people say to us if we started to cry? How, do, how did they respond to our emotions there? And so let's say I started to cry and my father and my mother said, don't be sad, don't cry, don't cry. It's going to be fine, don't cry. And I'm not given permission to cry. Well, what that teaches me is over my life, I don't have permission. My intellect tells me, don't, you, don't, you don't have permission to cry. So when something happens that I'm sad about, I, I have to choose a different way. My intellect has already made the decision way early on not to cry. So I don't, I don't actually get to experience what Jesus experienced at Lazarus' tomb. In fact, I have to make up some other way of me facing reality. Or they say, don't be angry. Well, then what am I going to do with my, all the bent up? Because I, I have an emotion of anger. What am I going to do with that? Well, I can turn it and I can turn to drink so that I can drown out that emotion. I can turn to the computer and, and I can act out of that emotion in a different way. Or I can, what, or I look to drugs and, and it heightens the emotion. So my intellect, again, was already formed. So there's certain, we can say, m- mindsets that we've already been trained to have. Now the question becomes, how do we step into a new mindset, as St. Paul says, the mind of Christ, taking every thought captive. Well, I have to make it captive to Christ. So a practical way is I have, let's say I have a lot of emotions at the end of the day. This is why the church encourages us to do a daily examine. I love, I was taught this by a priest, um, a Jesuit priest. Uh, He taught me the 531. I'm going to look back at my day and I'm going to Thank God for five moments of blessing in my day. What are five moments? Uh, no more, no less. Five moments that God, I saw God work today. Yeah, I had a really hard moment, but that was, I saw God, he, 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 somebody smiled at me right after, and it gave me a little bit more peace. Uh, you know, what, little moments that I see God in the day. All right, now I move to the three, five, three, one. We're skipping two and four. Three, what are three moments that I didn't, I didn't match up to who I know I am. I didn't match up to who I, who I want to be. And, and no more, no more than three. Why be, and why do we do this second? I don't do this first. I do the second because I can fit those three inside of the five and realize that God still blessed me abundantly more than I was reacting negatively in the day. And I can come up with a whole list of them. And I like to come up with bad things that I've done. But no, no, no. I'm going to choose five blessings three moments that I didn't add up to who I'd like to be, and one thing that I'm asking God for tomorrow. And I think it's a way that at the end of the day, or maybe you want to do it at noon or 4 p.m., whatever time works for you. It doesn't have to be a set time at the end of the night. Um, I can look at my emotions through the day, and I can say, wow, even when I was angry with my coworker, I saw somebody else was very kind to me. And it checks my emotion. And in fact, my intellect says to me then, Wow, I don't have to react the way that I did. In fact, everything worked out. When I reflect upon my day, an unexamined life, they say, is a life not worth living. Well, I look back over the, the day and I say, or a few hours and say, wow, I didn't have to react the way that I did. And I can choose tomorrow to act differently. So God, give me the grace to act differently tomorrow. Give me the grace to be kinder. Give me the grace to, to step forward in confidence when I was afraid. So, so I think that's a very practical way or any sort of exam, and there's other ones out there, but I think it's very practical, tangible, five, three, one, five blessings, three moments that I didn't add up to who I think I should be, 
Um, and, and listen to this, not, I'm not saying who God expects me to be, because that's not, people say that, and it, it makes me feel like, ugh, my, my thoughts are all <laughs> tangled. It's like, no, no, no. God just wants you to be you, right? But, but in being you, he wants you to grow by his grace into more of himself. So who, who do I would like to be? I'd like to be a better person. And I want to think of three moments that I didn't do that today and ask God to bless me tomorrow with, with an ability to be better. So I'd say, I'd say that's, that's sort of putting it in, a, in its place within our mind. Does that, does that make sense, Jack? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, you know, the thing that comes to my mind is, as with anything, if we expect to have growth in an area of our life, we actually have to take that time and put that effort in. We can't just say, well, I want to do this, and so hopefully it'll come about on its own. You know, <laughs> We actually have to take those few minutes a day and give that daily uh, time to reflect, to look back on those moments in our life and say, what did happen? We can't just expect it to, to occur on its own. Um, Father, let's go back to the phones. We've got Mario who's listening in Austin, Texas. Hi, Mario. Thanks for holding so long. You're on the air with Father Grismer. Yes. Hi, Josh. Hi, Father. Thanks for having me on. Um, I really appreciate the comments I just heard, Father, particularly about, you know, emotion um, being governed by or our passions being governed by our intellect and will. You stole a little of my thunder with that, but I'll twist it to more of a societal question, I think. There's something in cognitive therapy called emotional reasoning, which is considered a cognitive distortion. In other words, a tendency to reason through our emotion. Um, it seems to me, societally, that we're at a point, um, you know, when I think about social media particularly, and media in general, as a couple examples, where emotional reasoning has kind of become the cause celeb, you know, if you will. And, and I'm, I'm wondering about how you might see that. Is there a problem of emotion itself becoming sacrosanct in our society, and what do we do about it? Wow, that's a great question, Mario. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's let's sit for another hour. We could talk, but no, I know. I was just thinking really, the same thing here. <laughs> right, we're at the very last couple minutes, and we could unpack this for so long. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Father. Though, yeah, no, I, I, Mario, I think you you hit it spot on. I think there is a. Um, there's danger of us putting emotion upon a pedestal and saying, well, how I feel is how I'm going to act. And that's, I think, the whole conversation that we've been having. Um, we have to do this on an individual basis so that society can begin to shift. Um, because I, the the wave, if you would, of society balancing its its existence upon emotion is so large. It's a tidal wave with all this force and energy that at some point it's going to have to crash. Um, and when it crashes, the question will be who's going to be there to, to, to rebuild whatever is there. Um, and I think that's going to be those who have chosen to place emotions. And, and, and it's not just, I'm just going to be intellectual, but I'm placing my emotion in their proper place, allowing myself to have emotion and to know that the emotion is not the end-all, be-all. So when I, and this is, I think, ex exactly for that examination. At the end of my day, and I look back, and I look at the times where I was on social media, and I spent just hours scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, and, and in a single moment, I can have an anger of, or a moment of anger towards somebody, and then I scroll a little bit further, and I feel sadness to somebody, and this next picture is somebody's dog that's lost, and I feel all these emotions, but I never allow myself to process it 
And what happens is I become overwhelmed and I shut down. So society, I think, is on the brink of some sort of emotional shutdown. Um, you don't quote me on, on that, but you, <laughs> I guess you will. But, but this, I feel like it is because we're so invested and things are coming so quickly. I have no time to process all the emotional intake that I'm having. So I, I respect that and, and um, just recommend any sort of therapy for people because it, it is so beneficial to process our emotions and help them find a place uh, within ourselves. Um, I think it's, it's so beneficial. So many people come to us priests and bring all the things that they think we're psychologists and we're not, you know, we're helping, we're helping them as, as we can with, with the spiritual life, but finding somebody that's a therapist that can walk with you week in and week out. Um, I, I would highly recommend and encourage that to help process the emotions that we're intaking. Father, we're down to about our last minute and a half here, but, um, as somebody is listening and they're saying, okay, I, I really want to be able to look if I've got an area in my life where those emotions are getting the better of me. Is maybe there a saint that you could recommend that somebody look at or, you know, something else that they might tune into? You mentioned, you know, that, you know, priests are not necessarily psychologists or, um, you know, uh, that the, there's, we're doing the best we can as priests, you know, you are to help guide people in the spiritual life. But where can they turn to maybe get a little more assistance on this? So I think first thing is practically talk to your priest and ask if they have any recommendations of therapists or counselors or things like that, because they they should have resources in the community that can be of assistance. And it's not taboo. It's not shameful. It's it's actually very good and beneficial. And on a spiritual level, I, I think when we read the Gospels, um, two things, read the Gospels and read them, just sit and understand, ask Jesus for the gift of understanding of what's happening. The TV show, The Chosen, it's, they, they made it funded by fans. I think it shows the humanity and the divinity and the emotional scale, and that can help us understand a little bit more on a sort of visual level. And I think the saints, you know, any, any of the saints, they all had emotions. St. Bernadette, St. Therese, some of my favorites. Yes, women, very almost childlike, but uh, Bernadette's story is pretty powerful if you think about the things that she went through sure. and why Mary invited appeared to her. Yeah, well, and, you know, if if they can have these uh, emotions that are expressed in the ways that even they write, the way that their story is told, then there's hope for all of us. Uh, Father Sean Grismers, we're down to about our last 20 seconds here. Could I ask you to offer all of our listeners a blessing as we conclude today? Yes. Lord Jesus, I ask your blessing on each and every person under the sound of my voice that they would know your love, that they would process their emotions through your most sacred heart and the immaculate heart of Mary. Through their intercession, may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father. And thank you for being a part of the program, too. I'm sorry for those that we couldn't get on the program today. Uh, Coming up tomorrow. We're going to be talking about sacramentals. Father Ed Broom will be our spiritual director. Of course, stay tuned. We've got Mass that's coming up next. Father Edward Looney is our celebrant, and that's followed directly by The Faith Explained with Kale Clark. Look forward to seeing you back here on The Inner Life tomorrow at the same time. Have a blessed day. It's so very encouraging to hear from our listeners who benefit from our program. I want to invite you to join the St. Joseph Recurring Gift Society. Your ongoing monthly gift is a gift that keeps on giving. Learn more at RelevantRadio.com slash Joseph.